back to another edition of the Andrew Steele podcast, episode 11. We're going to be joined by Johnny Lazarus, who covers the New York Rangers for the Hockey News. Uh, Johnny's been on before, obviously, early on, but he jumped on because, well, it was a crappy week for, for Ranger fans, right? Um, losing out in the first round to the, to the Devils. And, you know, as we get into the pod, it was kind of how they lost it that, that bothered a lot of people more than anything and we can you know the devils are a good team and they were they were a better team than the rangers in the regular season you know both by the eye test and most of the underlying metrics and um yeah it was just uh you know i think after probably overachieving last year the expectations were high this year and and they were always going to be and and uh, that's kind of the name of the game when you go out and acquired you know two top six forwards in Tarasenko and Kane at the deadline and they didn't deliver and too many you know too many of their big guns failed to 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 show in the big moments and and that was ultimately the difference so we kind of perform what I like to call the full autopsy we really go in depth in terms of what went wrong what's next um we we kind of defend Panarin there's been um you know he made a couple of interesting comments this week about kind of his, you know, it, it was clear that he he's hearing the criticism and, and you know, I think it was clear that it probably impacted his game and, you know, both Johnny and I were in agreement that he wasn't as bad as, as a lot of people made out and so we, we defended Panarin, we, di- we got into Gallant's future and kind of some of the names that have been banded about and why we don't necessarily think a coaching change is the right thing at this time and yeah, we got into so much what what needs to be done to the roster. Um, not that there can be a lot done because of the the salary cap situation. And then we kind of at the end touch on what has just been an insane postseason so far. Like I I say it very very often on on social media that the Stanley Cup playoffs are the best kind of playoffs in sports. I mean that, and I think what's happened so far has only only proven me right. You know. Round one was insane. Round two is gonna gonna be similar, and you you can't honestly say who's gonna go on and win the cup. It could literally be anyone. Like I think the way things are going, the Florida Panthers are gonna be in the Stanley Cup final, and who would have said that in the regular season? So we're certainly getting um, our our entertainment's worth in in the playoffs at the moment, and it's good job because. If you're a Mets fan, you're not getting any entertainment from that team at the moment. They're an absolute dumpster fire, and I don't know what's going on, but I think go back to spring training, and I think maybe the amount of injuries that were happening were maybe a, a precursor to what's happened because they just nothing seems to be going right. You know, Max Scherzer looks like maybe Father Time is caught up with him. You know, Justin Verland has only made one start, so too too early to judge. But the bats have gone cold, and there's some serious flaws on that team that need addressing, and need addressing quick, because the Braves aren't slowing down anytime soon. And I've got a funny feeling that with Bryce Harper being back, the Phillies are going to pick up. So, and you know, the Yankees, the Yankees have been a hot mess as well. So, I'm not so smug about my New York sports this week. Um, you know, obviously the Knicks are. One one going into game three, so at least we got at least we got the Knicks, and you know the Jets and the Giants aren't playing, so they can't disappoint us yet, which is something. But it's been a weird old week in New York sports, and it's this one's a very ho- hockey centric episode, so 
if you arrange a fan and you're still a bit beat up, you know, I would implore you to listen to this because we do listen positives, but the, probably the first 10, 15 minutes isn't easy listening as we, as we really do get into it, but it's going to be a busy off season. Um, I do think there's going to be changes somewhere along the line. My gut tells me there'll be a coaching change. They've been eerily quiet on that. I think if they were going to stick with uh, Gerard Glant, they would have come out and said so by now. So I think the fact that there's been nothing it means that something's coming down the pike. So it's going to be a busy off season. We'll keep you up to date with it all here, obviously. And you know, Johnny is going to come on when he can and uh, help me address things. So. Yeah, but before we get into today's episode, um, the Andrew Steele podcast is brought to you by blogsofsteel.substack.com. As always, bear with me on that in terms of the website side of things. We are still catching up on on stuff and um, still kind of getting our feet again after what I addressed in the last episode. So, you know, give me a couple of days and you'll start seeing high quality content on the website again. The the website has got a lick of paint. We've made some changes. Substack's kind of added some new exciting features um, to make the homepage look a little bit better. So I've tweaked around with that. I'm going to do a few bit, uh, a little bit more tweaking. I can't speak today. Um, <laughs> going to do a little bit more tweaking as we go. Um, so yeah, definitely go and pay it a visit. There's uh, plenty of stuff that's going to be coming over the next week or so. Again, I keep saying it, but there's so much going on in sports alone. It's it's insane at the moment. But in the meantime, I'll uh, pass you over to our chat with Johnny Lazarus as we unpack the Rangers season in depth and uh, preview what's to come. Enjoy. So uh, delighted to welcome Johnny Lazarus back to the show. And um, since we last had you on, you've got a new gig. You're you're covering the Rangers for the, the hockey news, which is huge. So congrats on that, pal. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. And uh, great to be back with you. Um, I think last time I was on, it was right after the Kane trade, right? So, uh, you know, a lot's changed since then. And, you know, a lot of positive, way more negative. But, uh, you know, hopefully we, we stick to the positive stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a weird time. But, um you know, excited to talk some hockey with you. Well, I actually went back and listened back to that show because we both said <laughs> that we would love yeah. a Rangers-Devils first-round matchup. However, we both acknowledged that it had the recipe to go very wrong. And that's where we're going to um, jump off here. Before, before we dive in, I want to kind of, because I've I've done a, a lot of thinking on this and I've read a lot and I've read a lot of the comments on social media. I think what has been forgotten a little bit is the Devils statistically with the better team during the regular season there. And they're not exactly scrubs. You know, they're, they're a team that look to be, have a very bright future. And I think with their core and, and the kind of ask the, you know, the weaponry they've got to go and add to that in terms of draft picks and, and cap room, they're going to be a, a legit team for, for a while. So I think that can't be forgotten, but I think, when you look at everything in terms of expectations and the way the Rangers lost this, it, it was just a huge disappointment, wasn't it? And and what went wrong for you in your, your opinion? I know that's a loaded question. No, no, it's, it's okay. Uh, you know, I, I said it three months ago on the blue crew podcast. I said, I'm starting to fear the devils 
and I want no part of them in the first round. I was rooting for them to win the Metro, so we'd play Carolina in round one, and I thought the Rangers had a much better chance playing against them in the second round as opposed to the third round because, listen, this team had a lot of figuring out to do. They weren't going into the playoffs hot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the Rangers had two really big players, and Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tereshenko joined the team, and you know, they had some good spurts, but it was a little bit inconsistent and they had a lot to figure out if they were going to go on a deep playoff run. So, um, you know, I think to your original question, like the Devils were minus 125 on every sports book going into the series. Like they were the favorite for every right reason. They were the better team at five on five all year long. They had solid goaltending. They were great defensively. They were great offensively. And, and the Rangers were good, too. They had all that stuff as well. But the Devils were more consistent throughout the entire season. So, um, listen, I, I think this Devils team is legit. I know they had a game one flop in, in Carolina. But, you know, I do think that series goes six or seven. I don't think Carolina wins that in four or five. Um, and I could see the Devils winning that series as well. But for me, you, you know, the whole thing, and this is what I love about sports, right? Because if the Rangers score a goal in overtime in game three, we're not even having this conversation right now. They go up 3 nothing. They're probably not allowing the Devils to come back from down yeah. 3 nothing in that series. Like maybe the Devils get one or two, but I don't think the Devils win four straight. So, you know, that's the thing, right? If if Patrick Kane or Zabanjad score in overtime, it's, oh my God, the Rangers are a wagon. They're legit. Now they have a shot against Carolina. But because Dougie Hamilton scores, it changes the entire series. All the momentum now shifts in favor of New Jersey, and that that's just how the playoffs go. One little play can change an entire series. We saw it last year. Rangers down 3 nothing, or, or excuse me, 2 nothing in Game 5, down 3-1 in the series against the Penguins. Truba throws a big hit on Crosby. Crosby's out of the game for a bit. Changes the whole series. And were the Penguins not a good team? No, they were, they were fine. Um, and, and that's just how playoff hockey works, so... Listen, I'm I'm not a guy that's gonna sit here and, and say the Rangers gotta blow the whole thing up, but you know, there obviously are uh you know some areas that need to improve. And um, you know, I'll sure I'm sure we're gonna get into that right now. So I'm not gonna talk for twenty straight minutes here. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's a load of different directions to go, which we will do. I, a couple of just quick ones on this series itself. Yeah, I think even in like games one and two as you said, a series like that can be decided in so many different ways. And obviously the, the goaltending change kind of sparked the devils and, and so, and you, you, you see every single year, some player that we've never heard of or hasn't done a lot during the regular season comes out of nowhere and goes on this epic run. And that's what makes the Stanley cup playoffs the best postseason in sports, in my opinion. Um, but there were kind of warning signs there as well. Like there were a few moments in games one and two, where whenever Jack Hughes got on the park, I thought, crap like here we go and then like you look at like the underlying metrics which i know is the fashionable thing to do and like uh nico hisha and, and team Maya, they were kind of driving play at five on five and as you said five at five the devils were 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 better but i think the the biggest disappointment for me were there, there were two things you, you mentioned the adjustments like i was never worried about the regular season after the Kane trade because it was like they've got Kane, they got tarasenko they need to work this out and they, they were pretty much locked into the free spot. But the whole point of that was that they were going to have it figured out for the playoffs, right? That was mm-hmm. that was like the, the kind of thinking going into it. And then it was like they never figured out the, the power play and that let them down in big spots. And then like games five and game seven, first period game five, I've, I thought it was even. But the last two periods of that and then game seven, they just 
I, I don't like to say I hate the saying they wanted it more because I don't think any athlete goes out there not wanting to win. So I don't like that. But the Devils just seemed quicker, sharper when it came to the puck battles. And that was the biggest disappointment for me was kind of how they ended up losing that series. Was that in the biggest moments, too many players kind of went missing and, and whether it was a lack of buying or or it was just a fake freak thing in terms of an off night for too many players. The, the biggest disappointment for me was just kind of how they, they folded in the end. Well, it's not like the devil's big players really stood out that much as well. No, right. Like no. Timo, you know, Timo Meyer had a great series. Don't get me wrong. He had a huge impact for having zero points, but like he didn't score just for Brad only had one empty net goal. He didn't really score. Um, Nico, he sure didn't score. Like it, it wasn't really a, a big player series. Um, obviously Kreider showed up for the Rangers. Jack Hughes showed up for the devils. Eric Halla became an X factor for New Jersey. Um, but to me, I think, you know, what was clear and I tweeted it, uh, I think in game seven, um, you know, the Rangers are, I don't know if you're an NBA fan at all, but uh, I'm a big basketball fan. Yep. And you see so many teams that live and die by the three pointer. The Rangers were the same way in the power play. The Rangers scored power play goals in three games. In those three games, they won. They, for whatever reason, they built off the power play. They scored five goals in all three of those games. And their power play seemed to just get their juices flowing. Yep. In the games they didn't score in the power play, they lost all four. So, you know, for whatever reason, the Rangers power play, they lived and died by it. And I think that's the biggest disappointment. Like, you know, Mika had, a, had a, I think, two really strong one-time chances in game seven in the first period. And those don't go in. Had one of that, one of those gone in, the confidence is all Different. in New York. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it just, that's how it is, right? Like, even in game five, you said it, uh, the first period, the Devils were a much better team in the first four minutes. They scored that opening goal, which was a fluke by Andre Pilat. You know, I think it bounced off Foxy's stick and like went over Igor. But, um, you know, I think after that early onslaught by New Jersey, the Rangers were better. And Artemi Panarin had a three-on-one opportunity, shoots it right at Akira Schmidt's glove. And, you know, great save by Schmidt, like, you know, all to his credit. But, you know, if that puck goes into, different game. Um, you know, so there's chances that the Rangers just weren't able to capitalize on. And, and when these pucks go in, I'm telling you, it's just one little thing. I said it before. One little thing just changes the outcome of the yeah. entire game. So, you know, I, I'm not here to say, like, so Panajad wasn't invisible. Panarin wasn't invisible. Did they produce and did they play well? Like, no, but were they fucking... Ter oh, sorry. I don't know if I can curse. Swear, uh, swear all you want. Okay, yeah. Were they fucking terrible? No. They had chances. They just yeah. didn't score. And, like, that happens. Um, you know, and, and, and I can live with that. Uh, obviously, you know, I would like to see them be a little bit more consistent and, and score in the playoffs, but, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that and Aaron and Zibanejad are never going to be able to do it. You know, that's just not who I am, and I don't think that's who they are as players. Um, so I'm not giving up on them. And, and you know, but but I understand the New York fan. That's how it works, right? Like, yeah. you know, Julius Randle had one good year. He had one bad year, and everyone wants to fucking ship him out of here. And then now he's, you know, having a good playoff. Obviously, he's hurt as we're talking. But, you know, it's just, it's what have you done for me lately in New York? And, and oh. that's just the sad truth. And they need to scapegoat. And, You've opened the door for for me to comment on Panarin because I think he, he's really dividing opinion. And I think we're on the same page. Just quickly, though, I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize. You put a tweet out. I can't remember before what game, but it was something like you can't lose a series at this point, but you can, like, it was something about oh. momentum swinging. And, like, no, you're so you right. Yeah, go on, say it. I so I, I have this argument. It's, it's like a debate that I love having now. Uh, it's not a must win, it's a can't lose. Is that That's what you're it. Sorry, to? I butchered yeah. that completely. No, no, yeah. you're good. You're good. You're good. And and I, I remember seeing the tweet and like it was getting a lot of traction, but it's like it 
it bore out in that series in terms of like the gold ending change. And then, as you said, just those little like a greasy goal that goes in that changes the momentum. And then we're seeing it with Florida right now. Like they've got all yeah. the all the momentum riding on them. And then they come out uh, last night, score two, two quick goals. And then there you go. And I think momentum is is massive as well. And the Devils just did a better job of riding that momentum and, and sustaining it. But on Panarin, he he for me is the kind of stereotypical New York scapegoat. Like fans love him during the regular season. They love his energy. And then when things go wrong in the playoffs, it's like everything's pinned on his shoulders. And he came out the other day and was really honest. And I thought his, his comments were really interesting and about his kind of mentality and how frustrating it was. And and what he said in there was was about shooting more. And if there's one thing Ranger fans get on this team and on Panarin is for not shooting the puck, where we know Panarin, when he's at his best, it's it's creating. And there was a notable difference. I, I put a stat out at some point before Game 7 where, like, he's statistically, he wasn't passing the puck as much. And, and I think that hurt as well. But I think he obviously, there was a conscious effort on his behalf to, to, to shoot the puck more but whenever we're assessing like a team or a player you have to for me anyway you have to balance the statistics with the eye test and I didn't think Panarin was like for me he wasn't the player you put you put out and it was all his fault I thought there were players that probably could have done more than than Panarin and they're not going to move him anyway but I I just think that some Ranger fans get a little bit silly with with the whole Panarin thing, like I think he's got a role to play. Yeah, he, he wasn't like great, but you could say that about half the team. So, yeah. what are your your thoughts on 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 the whole Panarin situation? Yeah, I mean, listen, I tweeted it out yesterday or, or two days ago, and I'll read the quote again. Um, you know, and, and excuse me for not having the author for the article. I just saw this little blurb going around, and it was this was the quote. Honestly, last playoff, I turn over like every puck. This year, I don't do that bad. Not that bad. I don't want to say excuses. Like, it's mental, and I feel terrible in playoffs. Every game, I come in excited. I try and I try again and again and again, and it not work, not work, not work. I don't know. So, listen, this is a guy who obviously is feeling the pressure that comes with playing in New York. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to say that. He's stronger than it because he hasn't necessarily shown it yet, but not every athlete is built for New York. And I love Artemi Panarin, and I do believe in Artemi Panarin, and I think he was much better than people give him credit for in last year's playoffs. Um, you know, I think he wasn't... I don't think he was that bad in this playoff. I think he just needed more help. Like, the Devils yeah. were all over him. Every time he had the puck, there was two guys on him, it felt like. And he had chances. He created chances. Like, his pass to Trocek in Game 7 in the third period, you know, across the ice, to Trocek in the slot. Like, Kier Schmidt makes a great glove save. Like, you know, I, I think those things just sometimes happen. But, um, you know, I, I think right now, and I know we're going to get to Gallant, but for Panarin... You have to provide your superstar with people that are going to make him feel confident. Mm -hmm. And I think even that, I think that even goes down to the fan base. Um, you know, what, what, what help does it do if you have, you know, millions of people fucking chirping this guy and, and making him feel like shit about himself? Like, you know, that gets into a player's head. Like, how are we helping Panarin get over the hump? Right. Like, does it, does it help him if we're just shitting on him the whole time? Like, 
I think sometimes fans don't understand that. And it's easy to, to want to bash players because, you know, listen, that's just how sports work. But, you know, it's, it's something that I just don't understand. Like if you have a guy that, you know, like you're ride or die for, like everyone loves Panarin as a person, as a yeah. teammate in, in the room and whatnot. Like, like where is that separation with the fans? Like why, you know, why, why are we just breaking this guy down instead of trying to build him up? Um, and that's something that I'll truly maybe just like never understand. Um, and that's just like my perspective. I, you know, I've obviously played the game at a, at a pretty competitive level and I understand how hard it is to, to get to that level. And, um, you know, maybe that's why I'm just not one to bash, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I hope he figures it out and I hope he doesn't want to leave and I hope the pressure doesn't get to him. Cause you, you think about all the great moments and positivity and just like overall like laughter and joy that this guy brings to the organization and to the city. And, um, you know, man, I would love to see that guy win and, and come out of this on top. There's very little patience in New York sports. Like it's the argument that Aaron judge yeah. and, and Stanton have made with the Yankees. Like when the Yankees first traded for, for Giancarlo Stanton, like, I think they're like that year they start the year on the road and then like he's he's pretty good on the road and they come home and he goes like over four I think in the home opener and like he getting booed like it's a hundred and sixty two game season and and there's been yeah. things with like the Mets and as you said with like Randall like Randall had a great year he has one bad year and then like fans like think he's garbage and I think like, I agree with you on Panarin like I think last year he just became a scapegoat and I've I thought he had a pretty good playoffs this year again like. I test wise, I think he went out there consciously and and was trying to like not turn the puck over as as, as much. And I thought he was, I, I thought he was okay. Like I certainly don't think he's he was as bad as some people are trying to make out. And I and again, I think people kind of flip the narrative to suit their own their own argument. But I'm the same as you. I think yeah. he's got a huge role to play in this team. He's not going anywhere anyway. I don't think because of the contract, but. I'd love to see guys like him, Savannah Jad and Kreider as well. Like I'd love to see all those guys win with this team. Um, yeah. I've got a Chris Kreider, uh, Kreider question for you, but let's get the kind of last negative out of the way. Then we'll go on to the positives. So there's a lot of stuff on Gerard Gallant at the moment. He obviously had a very interesting press conference. I'm going to ask you outright, you like your personal opinion do you think what do you think will happen with his job and what do you want to happen with his job? Um I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say I want him to get fired because I truly don't believe that. Um do I think a firing is coming? Most likely. Mm-hmm. But listen, I think Lance's been, you know, in a couple organizations for, you know, short stints. And, you know, I think it's asking a lot for, you know, a guy to come in here and win in two years. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously they had the team on paper and whatnot, but, you know, winning takes time. Um, you know, obviously there are some some caveats to that. Like, you know, I think about like Dan Bilesma and Mike Sullivan who came into Pittsburgh and like won that year. But, you know, you look at like a guy like John Cooper took him like seven years to win with Tampa. Um, you know, it takes a while for for things to click and you know this season is obviously a failure but last season was a massive success um you know completely exceeded expectations and listen i i don't know how the players truly feel they come out saying that they like playing for gallant and he's a player's coach and they like that but 
you know, maybe they do need someone to come in and push more buttons. Um, but I think there will be a change. Do I think it's completely necessary? No. But for me, I think the biggest thing right now is figuring out this roster for next year. You know, figuring out Keandre Miller, figuring out Alexi Lafreniere, Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, all this cap space situation that's going on. And then you find the right voice for the group. If it's if it's Gallant, great. If it's not, you know, there's talks about Joel Quindle coming in. If he comes in and doesn't win in two years, what are you going to do? Fucking fire him also? Like, yeah. you can't just keep cycling and cycling and cycling. You got to have the belief in someone to do it. So it's, it's a really tough question. And, um, you know, I think there's just a lot of questions within the build of the team first, and then you find the right coach. I think that's what's got to happen. I mean, given where this team's currently constituted, I would just run it back because they're not going to make too many changes. And I think I'd run it back with, with the, the same head coach, the same group of players, you know, bar a couple minor changes, because for me, the, the three names that I've seen out there, like Lavalette, Laviat, um, I've butchered that name, but Laviolette. Laviolette. Yeah, I, I wouldn't given what he's just done with Washington, I, I and again your whole argument is if he comes in and doesn't do anything in two years, then then what are you gonna do? Joel Quinville got the resume, but he's also got some serious baggage attached to him. So there's that whole situation as as well. But again, like whoever you bring in, as you said, what are you going to do if they don't go and 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 win in like one year, two years? Like I think th- this team is their window to wins right now. It's going to close fairly quickly given the, the cap situation. So I think you just run it back for one more year, put this year down to it, it was just a bad year after year in which you exceeded all expectations anyway. You learn the lessons from that first series loss, and then you go you go again and. And I think that's probably the best thing to do. I, I, I'm with you. I think they'll probably bow to the pressure and make a change because you've got to consider the James Dolan factor in this. And, you know, we yeah. know what he's like when he starts hearing um, what the fans think. You know, it's why John Davidson and and, and Gorton went because he, he got involved. So I, I can see there being a change, but I don't necessarily think that's what's best for this team. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think... I, I, you know, I still, I still think this team could have won. Um, And I don't know. I don't know if it was a coaching thing. I think it was just a performance thing. And I think it's just easy to blame the coach. And that's, that's really all I have to say about that. And I think, and I think why we're all so frustrated is because there was a huge opportunity given how wide the East is. So that probably compounds things. But I think just looking at this team, and you mentioned a few names there, I think, you know, Miller for me, there's not too many defensemen like him. So I think you do whatever you can to to sign him to a long-term deal. I think the advantage they've got with the Frenier and and, and Kako, especially after the, the playoffs, is that their value is not exactly high. So you try and sign bridge deals because I wouldn't give up on Ivy just yet. I, I would sign them to cost-effective, team-friendly bridge deals and and you know try and work them in more time on the power play, and and you know really work with them during. And I think Lafreniere, it's been said, but I think both him and Kako, if they can go away, have really good off seasons, come back stronger and and ready to go. That will help. Kane, Kane, and Tarasenko. I mean, what would 
what would you do in that situation? Like, would you bring one back, both back? Who would you, you know, what would you do? I mean, I would love to see Tarasenko come back. Big fan of his. I think he's a great guy, great locker room guy. Like, the way he treated us in the media, like, he was so respectful and just so honestly sweet. Um, Patrick Kane, it sounds like he's thinking about surgery. Like, get him surgery and throw him on LTIR. Yeah. You know, like, teams have done that. Uh, I think it's possible. I think there's still a, a chance where, you know, maybe Kane takes a discount or something and stays and just gets surgery and is put on LTIR. Once he's healthy, just figure it out then. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, you, I'm not. What's up? So I was just going to say, I think that's, you give him, you you let him get the surgery, and then you say to him, right, we're gonna we're gonna put you on LTIR until the All Star game. Yeah. Then we'll bring you back. We'll give you ample time to to recover to yeah. ramp yourself up, and then you'll get in a a top six forward back fresh going down the stretch run and into the playoffs. I think that'd be best case yeah no I, I completely agree like listen I, i'm not i'm not convinced that kane's days are done uh he showed some good flashes and you know did he play some bad games yeah i think there were two games in the series and i'm blanking on which numbers or game five everyone sucked um but there were two games in the series where i thought kane was really bad but i think for the rest of it he was he was solid um and well because i also knew what to expect but you know i think a healthy Patrick Kane, because it was clear he's not fully healthy, could only benefit this team. Um, but then again, like, is it possible? I don't know. Those are the questions that I, that's why I don't have that job. So, um, you know. I'm going to throw something by you now. So we know that, like, especially if they bring Kane back and, you know, Tarasenko, there's not going to be too much they can do in terms of the roster given the, the cap space. But I kind of felt like when they traded away Ryan Reeves, it kind they kind of lost like a spark plug. And I get Ryan Reeves doesn't offer you a lot in terms of production or but he offers like I think in all team sports you can't overlook the intangibles that someone brings. And I kind of just felt something went out of that locker room the day he was traded. Now that could just be, be me being a huge Ryan Reeves fan and People think I'm speaking out my ass, and if I am, then that's <laughs> that, that's fine. But I just think, like, do they need to go and get a kind of high character, bottom six spark plug guy that that he's going to offer toughness and a little bit of personality is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Kind of like give them a spark of energy when they need. Well, I think in the case of Ryan Reeves, and I think everyone loves that guy. You know, I don't know anyone who doesn't love Rebo. Yeah. Uh, there were people who wanted him scratched last year. And, you know, I think this year we talk about team speed. The Devils are so much faster than the Rangers. Is Ryan Reeves keeping up with the Devils? Probably not. You know, so anyone who thinks, and I'm not trying to, you know, discredit your your take there. because no, I think no, Ryan Reeves, sure. to your, No, to your point, great locker room guy, you know, yeah. brings energy, brings, you know, everything that you need for a team spark. But when it comes to actually playing on the ice, like I don't think Rebo helps this team right yeah. now at all in that series. Like I don't think you know people want to talk about Tanner Janot also at the deadline. Like we yeah. should have taken Tanner Janot instead of Kane. Like you're telling me Tanner Janot comes in and affects that series. Like any the results going to be the same no matter who you had. The Rangers were a step behind. That's what it was. Like they need team speed. Um, and I think you know speed right now is what's taken over the NHL. Like you look at Florida, they're scoring goals because they're forecheck and they're speed. Like they're fast. They're faster than Toronto. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think that's just how, and Seattle's the same way. Um, that's just where the game's going. So, you know, I, I think Jacob Truba said it too on breakup day, like every team obviously wants to get faster. Um, it's just, how can you? So, you know, I think Revo and, and the personality and whatnot. Yeah. That always adds to the locker room, but you know, as, as good as the energy is in the room, like you got to have that same energy on the ice. True. Like, I think that's just what it comes down to. And the Rangers didn't have that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I forgot what the original question is. I guess was it bringing in the personality? Is that what you said? Yeah, and I, and I guess like, do they need? Because you you mentioned guys like Eric Caller for the Devils, who yeah. who's, who's kind of like you know he can be used up and down the lineup. But there are yeah. guys, you know, you look at as you said, Florida or or you know the Devils. There are guys that bottom six guys that can give you speed, skill, a little bit of grit. Do do they need to add something? I guess. Uh, you know, like a spark plug option to that bottom six, or or, or are they set in your opinion? Because because whatever they do, especially if they bring Kane back, they're not going to have a. There's not going to be major changes to this roster. Is what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it all came down to goal scoring again. Yeah, you know, you, you scored fucking two goals in the four games you lose. Like, you know, I think that's. That that's really what it was, right? Like the the goal scorers that we saw all year long didn't score goals, yeah. um, and that's I don't know. That's for whatever reason they just couldn't find the back of the net. And uh, you know, getting grit is great, and you know, uh, a lot of the teams that are in the playoffs have a ton of grit and whatnot. But like Matthew Kachuk, Carter Verhage, those guys are scoring goals. Brandon Montour scoring goals. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm just using Florida as an example. Oliver Bjorkstrand scoring goals. Joe Pavelski scoring goals. Tyler Sagan scoring goals. Like goals. these guys are just fucking scoring, <laughs> and and they're not like they're not like grinders. I mean, yeah. like you know they play a hard, heavy game, but like that's the difference. Like the the top guys are performing for the teams that are still in, and that's what the Rangers lacked. So you know, I think if the Rangers scored four or five more goals in the four games they lost or whatever, different story. There's we're running out of time, but let's finish on a couple positives because I know we're both bummed out by just it, yeah. it, it's been the longest week and it hasn't helped that it's the week where the Rangers got got bounced and but Chris Kreider I thought probably had along with Igor had the probably came out of that with the most credit but just looking at the bigger picture and I know you you say you're working on something at the moment I think he's well in the conversation now for an all time Ranger. Like oh, I everything think the guys accomplished. I think it's done. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, people want to say without the cup, he's not there. But 20 is going up, if you ask me. Um, you know, all-time leader in playoff goals, all-time leader in playoff power play goals. I'm not sure where he is as far as uh, games played in playoffs. I know it's, I think it's north of 100. I don't know where he is in the rank, though. I'll have to look that up after. But, um, you know, that guy has shown up every time we've needed him to. And obviously if he gets the cup, it's, it's solidified. But if I were to vote on whether Kreider's number goes up, I would be voting. Yes. And for Ranger fans that are still bummed out and it's going to take a while, there's foundational pieces there, including a goaltender who played out of his skin again. And Adam Fox, who's just, uh, Norris Trophy finalist again. I don't think he'll win it. I think Eric Carson. Yeah, it's it's his award. But I think you look at like Fox. You look at Shosturkin. You look at 
Miller, Crider, Sabanajad, all of, you know, I know a couple of those didn't have a great playoff. There's it's you know, you play that series out again, there's every chance they'll win it. And I think there's lots to be positive about with with this team. And I think if they if they can just get the major decisions right in terms of who the voice is going to be, there's no reason why they can't go on a run and compete next year. Yeah. Plus, listen, this is a benefit for them too. Last year it was a shortened summer. They're not in the gym as much. Um, you know, I think everyone knows now they got to get a little bigger, stronger, and faster. Yep. So, uh, you know, having that longer off-season training can only benefit these younger guys. Um, you know, like Fernier, Kako, Fox, like the guys who need to get a little faster. Uh, being in the gym in the summer definitely helps that. So, you know, that's a benefit to this first round loss as well, right? Like let it fuel you, let it know what you need to improve on. And, uh, you know, I expect, you know, Fox came back, I thought stronger this year than he did than he was last year already. And, um, you know, if he can get to that elite level of skating, you know, like a McCarr, like a Quinn Hughes, yeah. uh, you know, those guys in the back end, like Carlson that can really move, um, you know, that'll just take his game to another level. So, Hopefully they can all gain a step. I think that's big, and and then and I really want this to let them just like let a fire in their ass, you know, yeah. and and let let it fuel them. And I think that's big. You saw it with Tampa with the whole Columbus thing, and look what happened there. You know that that gave that gave them the kick they needed. Um, one thing, one more thing before I let you go. These playoffs have been nuts. The the first round is probably the most fun I've had watching hockey in a long time. Oh yeah, and, and I think the second round. I literally see every series going six or seven. As, as you said, the Devils, they were coming off an emotional game seven. That's not going to be a short series. Uh, the Crack and Dallas series, I think it's going to go the distance. I think it's, you know, McDavid's going to find another absurd level, level to go to and dry will score on four in a game. Like that's going to, you know, they're just going to, that's going to be an absolute slugfest between those two teams. Um, Florida, Toronto, I think Toronto will claw their way back in uh, eventually. But how do you see the rest of these playoffs ending up? And it, can you even predict who's going to end up in the final at this point, given how mad it's been? Well, I've been wrong about fucking everything, I think, so far. So anything I say, just take the opposite. Uh, but for me, man, watching that Vegas Edmonton series, like Vegas is as legit as anyone yeah. um and they've been good since they've entered the league and i i see them really getting to the final um you know for for whatever reason i, I like mark stone is incredible he's an amazing leader jack eichel uh you know he's obviously five three in his first playoff um, william carson like they've got so much depth like william carson's yeah. now scoring goals like he did when they entered the league like yeah they're, they're so strong um, and, and I'm trying to, th you know, Dallas and Seattle, I think Dallas has that series. Like, I don't want to count Seattle out fully, but I trust Jay Gottinger and, and that team yeah. is just performing so well, especially on the power play. Uh, you know, I don't think many teams have an answer for their power play right now. Um, so I think Dallas Vegas is, is the Western conference final. And then I, I would hope that Toronto finds a way to claw back, yeah. like you said. Um, but I, I don't know if they win, you know, I don't know if they win the series. Florida I just right hope now, they make it like... interesting at this point. Like I just yeah. hope they, they get a couple to make it interesting. It's not a because I, I want to see all these series go like six or seven. Just think it's good for hockey. Like so, I, I think I'm with you. I don't think they'll win now because I think Florida's just got all the momentum and they've just yeah. they've, they've got that magic sauce. They just something is yeah. clicking. Um, even you know playoff. Uh, yeah, I don't see them blowing that. No, yeah, I don't see them blowing that. 
And then, you know, I think we're looking at a Florida Carolina Eastern yeah. Conference final, obviously. And, and that's like the chalk answer. But like, you know, I just think that's what it's going to come down to. And man, I think I think Florida is going to go to the final. I think I think we're looking at Florida Vegas, which would be fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, just because those city. I mean, I've never been to Vegas, so I'll, I'll be at the final too, which I'm really excited for. So I'm kind of well, rooting for I'll, Vegas to get there. So that'd be pretty sweet. That'd be quite uh, some time. Oh yeah, what a first, what a first time to go to Vegas, huh? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just like this is as unpredictable as it gets. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick right now, I'd say Florida versus Vegas, and then Vegas to win it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm like I'm a massive, you know, basketball, baseball, football fan, but I, I've said this publicly so many times the last two weeks, and I'll keep banging the the drum. The Stanley Cup playoffs are the best postseason period, yeah. and they, they, this is proven out why because you you don't know what's going to happen night to night, and the the first round was nuts, and I think you know it's gonna it's gonna continue to be insane. So um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you go, my friend, because I know that you've literally spoken so much <laughs> this last week. Um, so I'll, I'll let you get some rest and we'll, we'll try and get you back on maybe if there's some news at some point with the Rangers and, and we'll, we'll yeah. touch base later on in the off season. Well, there's probably going to be a lot of news, so, uh, I'll be coming on, I think every other day. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to yeah, be a busy need, one, I think. Always fun talking to you. So, um, you know, whenever you need and, and it's, uh, it's doable for me, I'll, I'll definitely come on. So thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.